0: Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I am Joe Vendramini from the University of Florida Range of Cattle Research and Education Center. And today we are in Burns, Oregon. And our guest is Dr. Reynaldo Cook. Dr. Cook is an animal scientist at the Oregon State University. And Dr. Cook has been studying the effects of wildlife on beef cattle production in the western states. Dr. Cook, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Dr. João Vendramini. Um, can you give us some background information on the, the situation of the wolf here in the western states? Yeah, sure. So, uh,
1: back in 2009 when I was still in grad school in Florida and uh, I applied for this job here at Oregon State as beef specialist, I called uh, the the the, Careman, the Oregon Cattlemen Association and I spoke with their president at the time then I asked him uh, what was uh, the main concern that uh, beef producers in Oregon were facing at that time and I was expecting to hear about you know feed costs or uh, feed efficiency or methane emissions or you know anything and then he came back to me as uh, you know wolves and then I said what I mean wolves like the the big dog yeah wolves uh, we have wolves uh, coming in uh, into the state from uh, Idaho and uh Now they're starting to uh, hunt in areas where, you know, our livestock are grazing and, you know, we're having some uh, predation episodes and as well as a loss of production on those uh, uh, cows because of all the stress that the wolves are uh, imposing on them. So after coming to Oregon, I I had to study, you know, that issue for one or two years and then we... uh, in collaboration with uh, with the cattlemen, we did several studies to uh, to try to understand the impacts of uh, wolves uh, on 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 cattle uh, production and welfare. And so,
0: yeah. Can you give us uh, more specifically a summary of the studies that you conducted and some of the the results? Okay. Uh,
1: it was uh, you know uh, across all producers that we spoke with. Uh, mostly in northeast Oregon they were noticing that uh, well cattle here they graze in public areas from April to November okay and then from November to April they come back to the home ranch you know and they're fed uh, their, their winter diets such as hay and, and whatever supplements being provided so the problem is when those animals are grazing mostly you know usually when they're grazing public lands either BLM or forest service you know, those allotments you have a couple of uh, wolf packs around and and that's where the interaction uh, is occurring so uh, producers were noticing that cattle were coming back from from uh, the, the summer grazing you know uh, a lot of cows were were actually non-pregnant cows that were turned out as pregnant were coming back as non-pregnant calves were thin, were sick, were light and of course some pairs didn't come back um, so there was a production loss that it was hard to quantify, but it was noticeable. They were noticing that production was dropping significantly, especially after you know the wolf those uh, wolf packs started to uh, to settle down in Oregon. So just a little background: those wolves they were coming from the Yellowstone Park. I think back in 95, 96, they decided to reintroduce the wolves into the Yellowstone Park, but the park doesn't have fences. So they move into to Idaho and then into Oregon, and those are gray wolves, okay? Canadian gray wolves, uh, the big the big wolf that we're talking about. And uh, something else that the producers were noticing was that uh, cattle behavior changed uh, significantly as well, such as that cattle before you know this whole uh, wolf issue uh, came to light, the, cat- the cattle were used to be around dogs, you know, you know, working dogs. But after coming back from uh, summer, summer grazing and being exposed to a few episodes of wolf interaction or even predation, the, the, those, those animals, they couldn't be around dogs anymore. You know? So, you know, to try to, to understand what was going on, we, uh, we got uh, uh, some financial support from the Oregon Beef Council through the checkoff Dollars to measure the amount of stress and, and changing physiology as well as welfare that uh, being around wolves uh, you know was causing on those on those animals. What we have to understand is once the cow, once they go through a predation episode you know the predation episode itself is fairly stressful especially for the cow being predated but all the other cows that were witnessing the predation episode they, they you know it's a bad memory that they create so any time that they saw wolves or they, they smelled wolves or they heard a wolf house, probably those animals went through another stress response even if predation wasn't occurring. So having that kind of a response every week or every 10 days, you know, when they see wolves or they smell wolves or they hear wolves, was probably causing a stress response on them, which might explain why they were coming back, uh, you know, non-pregnant or lighter. And and the calves, of course, were were impacted as well. So, on the first study that we did, we, uh, we uh, used about uh, 50 cows uh, that were from a, from a herd naive to wolves, so they haven't seen a wolf before, because those cows were from uh, southern, uh, nor- uh, southeast Oregon. Then we got 50 cows from uh, northeast Oregon slash uh, western Idaho that came from a ranch that had several confirmed uh, predation episodes with wolves. Basically, what we do, we did a simulation wolf encounter, and this is based on a lot of research on the wildlife side, in terms of uh, 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 interaction of, uh, of uh, you know, deer and uh, and uh, elk, for instance, with uh, with coyotes and, and 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 jaguars and wolves as well. So we exposed those cows to simulated wolf in, wolf encounter, where we had uh, wolf urine, uh, you know, uh, we, we we bought a wolf scent, which is the urine, and then we uh, immersed some cotton uh, cotton plugs into the urine and then we hung those cotton plugs in the working facility and then we had a wolf house that were recorded from a, an active wolf pack in, in in Northeast Oregon and then as a visual stimuli we had uh, three German Shepherds that were outside the working facility but going around the working facility you know trying to simulate a, a, a wolf pack what we noticed was on this initial study that the cows that haven't seen a wolf before they didn't care, you know, they just, just another dog, just another day in paradise. But now the cows that been through a predation episode, as soon as we started to play the wolf house, they started to, to, to act much more aggressively and they adopted a, uh, a defensive behavior that's typical of preys under a lot of stress. We also had thermometers on those cows and they had a, you know, a very quick spike in, in body temperature, which is a measurement of stress. We collected blood samples on them and we noticed a, a significant increase in cortisol as, uh, you know, uh, comparing pre to post samples in terms of the wolf encounter. And then their disposition, which means that their temperament also became much more aggressive uh, compared to the cows that never seen a wolf before or control group. So just by exposing the cows to, to that to those cues that a predation episode is about to happen only that already caused a change in behavior and physiology on those animals that might explain why their performance is you know significantly significantly decreased uh, after they come back from the summer uh, grazing and they had a lot of uh, interactions with wolves now after we published this first um, study, uh, you know, and, and, and talking to people and, and presenting this data at several places, it came to, to, uh, it came to our mind that this is actually pretty similar, not similar, but it, it, it might be related to uh, PTSD in humans, uh, you know, post-traum- post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, once a human goes through a you know a very tra- traumatic um, uh, event, um, any any future cue or any future uh, situation that might bring some bad memories, that person goes through a significant stress response that also impacts behavior. So he we thought, well, maybe this is also uh, the the whole wolf cow interaction is also causing something similar to PTSD on those cows. And I know this is a big um, extrapolation. But, uh, but this is something that we did on a follow-up study using a similar model in terms of the wolf encounter. But at that second study, we were able to collect some brain um, tissues and then we looked at specific genes that are associated with uh, PTSD in humans and, uh, and uh, rodents. We were able to confirm that the cows that uh, were previously uh, exposed to wolf uh, predation episodes you know, the, 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 the regulation of those genes in the brain were very similar compared to the control cows, the non-exposed cows, were fairly similar to what we see on the human and rodent literature in terms of the PTSD symptoms and diagnosis. So the whole wolf-cow interaction is, is impacting cattle welfare, not only on the behavioral side as well as the physiological side in terms of uh, of uh, hormones and which have a direct implication on production but also having some significant impacts on cow welfare as we can tell by by the change in in brain function that resembles a PTSD uh, episode in cows uh, caused by this uh, wolf interaction so after we we got the second study done I think it's pretty clear to see that that, uh, that the presence of wolves are causing some significant changes into uh, the, the beef cattle production here in the West.
0: And, and Brinaldo, uh, what are the other major wildlife animals that has impacted uh, beef cattle production in these western states? So I focused a lot on
1: the wolf because the animal behavior and animal physiology and welfare is, is uh, one of my uh, areas of expertise. But we have challenges with several different uh, wildlife species, and, uh, you know, let's say the Mustangs or feral horses that are competing with cattle for forage in terms of pub- public lands. And a horse, you know, can eat a lot, and of course, they're competing for animals in terms of uh, uh, forage resources. We also have uh, challenges with sage grouse, which is, which is a bird that inhabits the bottom of the sagebrush and there is a concern that when cattle are grazing public lands with sagebrush they are interfering with, uh, with the the habitat and we are trying to show that that's not the case. It's actually beneficial when you have the interaction between uh, a cattle uh, and sage in terms of a habitat for a bird we also have uh, uh, concerns with uh, mountain lions preying on, on, on calves more specifically coyotes as well and, uh, and also, you know, on riparian areas where we have streams and, and, and little rivers or, 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 or lakes, we have the concern with fish as well uh, in terms of uh, the trout, the salmon, and uh, having cattle grazing areas where you have, you know, those uh, fish species. Might, it's also challenged to make sure that the, the, the cattle grazing and also everything that comes with cattle production does not impact
0: the, the quality of uh, the, the habitat for, for for the fish and the wildlife uh, uh, state and federal agencies do you th- feel that they will somehow be affected by the science behind or you you still see that there are a lot of political decisions that do not account for for the research that has been conducted throughout the, the country.
1: There's a lot of political issues that we have to debate. There's a lot of a public perception that we also have to address. Uh, and I think the panther problem that you guys might have in problem is might have in Florida. It's very similar to our challenge here with mountain lions. And within all the wildlife issues that we have, the mountain lion issues is all the way to the bottom. Because we have the wolves, the sage grouse, the Mustangs, the fish first and then and then we go down to the cats. But uh, but I think that you know my discipline is beef cattle production. I do research to to uh, to uh, to support and facilitate or improve uh, productivity in beef cattle systems. And I'm on the cattle producer side, of course, because this is my job. But I think that all species, they all have the right to be out there. They all have the right to thrive. And we have to come up with research that benefits everybody, okay? not only the cattle side, but also the wildlife side. And we can only accomplish that through research to make the most educated decisions possible.
0: I have uh, a few uh, quick questions for you. Um, a region in the United States. So two southeast and the West. And the West. Um, so I have two options, right? Two options. Okay. Exactly. Um, what are two forage species that you, you think are important?
1: Uh uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Two, two forage species. Well, okay, uh, for 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 us, meta foxtail, meta foxtail, and alfalfa. Two cattle breeds. Two kettle bees, Angus and
0: Brahman. I would like to thank Dr. Cook for participating in our podcast today. I am Joe Vendramini. Joe, what?